Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message begins a brand new series, It's Not Over, with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message about forgiveness. Enjoy this message. You, you can be seated this morning. We welcome all of you. We're glad you're here in the house of God, and uh, it's a great place to be, huh, on Sunday morning. Back to your neighbors, say you're in the right place, at the right time, right now. I really believe that, and I was thinking about that song that uh, Rob was talking about. I grew up with a different song by Pink Floyd, Money, It's a Crime, right? You ever heard that one? Uh, you know, share, don't share fairly, don't take a slice of my pie, right? And uh, that's the song I grew up with. But as we get into this new series, we're talking about it's not over. How many have ever heard the phrase, it's not over until the, the great lady sings, right? I'll just say that, okay? But it's not over it is the series that we're starting this morning. And the thought behind that is many times we think something is over. Uh, maybe you have a football team or a basketball team, and you're looking at the game, it's down to the last few seconds, and you say, oh, we're going to lose, it's over. And before you know it, it's Tom Brady, right? And he's throwing that that pass, and, and it's amazing. At the end of the moment, you know, you think, oh, I can't believe he's got the ball, you know? And uh, there, sure enough, it's not over. Or a basketball team, you know, I, I, I loved it when Kobe was on the team, and, and they were playing, and they were playing the Sacramento Kings, and it was game number five, I think, of the playoffs. And all, all Sacramento had to do is win that game. They go to the championship. And somehow they got the ball out. And and uh, I forget who it was that shot the three-pointer. What's his name? Um, I forget his name. Robert Ory. That's right. Shot the three-pointer. Time is gone. I mean, it's in the air. And it's not over till it's over, right? And so this morning we're talking about that when Jesus was on the cross, and he was crucified, they thought it was over. They buried him, but how many know on the third day, he rose again? It's not over. And many times, we think in our own lives, it was over. Maybe some people counted you out. They said, you know, it's over with that guy. His life is over. And then you had an encounter with Jesus, and he changed your life. It's not over. And so this morning, I'm going to read a scripture here. And I think it's a phenomenal scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 23. And this is Jesus on the cross. And the very first word that he says really changes everything and tells us it's not over. And he says these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So let's pray as we dive into this message today. I'm going to preach on forgiveness. I, I pray today the Lord will help every single one of us as we get in this message. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, that our life's not over, that things that we've done, they not count it to be over, but, God, you forgave us. And, Lord, forgiveness is so powerful. Lord, that's why we're here, because you forgave us of our sins. And, Lord, we're thankful for that. And so, God, I pray that you'll reach across this congregation and that you'll minister to every single person that's sitting in this building, whatever state of mind they're in, wherever they're at spiritually, mentally, wherever they're at in life right now, I pray that you'll speak into that situation. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare the Word of God and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice. And everyone said, 
Amen. Let me ask you a question as before I even get into this message. How many of you have ever taken a long trip somewhere? Maybe in a, in a vehicle, in a car, and you've taken a long trip, maybe cross country or into another state, and it's a long trip. How many have ever uh, been on a, a, an airplane ride on a long trip, you know? And with your family, that's always a, that's always a fun, right? Especially small kids. Uh, I've never done this, but they say that the real great trip is to take a train trip. Anybody been on a train? Wow, a few of you guys have. And so I've never done it, but I've heard it's really awesome to be on a train trip. How, how many are tripping right now? You're just tripping out on everything I'm saying. <laughs> Let me ask you another question. How many have been on a guilt trip? And all of a sudden, that, that guilt has gotten a hold of your life. And you're wondering, man, when is it going to go away? And the remedy for that is what Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And that's the power of Christianity. And that's the power that God has over our lives and touches our lives. Is the, Even all the stuff that we've done in our hearts and in our lives today, there's a God in heaven that forgives us. There's a God in heaven that removes that guilt. And many times what happens is, although we've been forgiven or we believe that God forgives, sometimes we don't forgive ourselves. And there's a lot of us this morning, we're on this guilt trip that we still, you know, we, they say God forgives us. We hear it, we read it, but somehow we don't forgive ourselves. Maybe you let somebody down. Maybe you hurt someone. Maybe you've let God down. Maybe you've let yourself down. And so, therefore, you, you're living in guilt. Maybe there's some word that you said to somebody and you can't undo them. Maybe you said something or did something to someone and it was really bad and you're living in this regret and you're carrying this guilt. Did you know that you're not supposed to carry guilt? That we're not made to carry guilt mentally, physically, spiritually. And I'll talk about a few statistics about when people carry this guilt and there's a lot of people right now, even in this building as I'm speaking, you're carrying a lot of unnecessary guilt. And this is why Jesus said that statement, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. How many of you have ever gone on someone, don't raise your hand, but, you know, at one point you drank too much and you did some things you regret today. You got yourself in a place where you said, man, I wish I, I can undo that. Maybe some of you... Can remember back when, you know, 20 years ago when you were younger and you did some things and you regretted it and you're saying, man, why did I do that? Sometimes even you could have worked really hard for your family and said, man, I, I worked all these years for my family and, and so that they could have the things I didn't have. But in the meantime, while you did all of that, you disconnected yourself from your family. And now you regret that. You know, I was always working, always working. And I lost my relationship with my kids. I lost my relationship with my wife or my husband. And I was doing it for them. But now I'm seeing myself in a place of regret. Maybe you've did some things in your marriage that you regret. Uh, maybe you were looking at some things on the screen that you regret. And it haunts you. And you're living in this guilt. Aren't you glad you came to reach church today? But I'm going to talk about how to remove that guilt in your life. I want to be real today because all of us carry some amount of guilt. Now, let me just say this to you. All guilt is not created equal. All guilt is not created equal. What do I mean by that? Some of us have a false guilt. And what I mean by that 
is you're carrying the guilt and it was never your fault to begin with. Could be that your parents got divorced and you're blaming yourself. It was my fault. Can I tell you, it's not your fault. No matter what, it was not your fault. It, just, it has something to do with your parents. It had nothing to do with you. But some of you are blaming yourself. My parents divorced because of me. It's my fault. It's not your fault. And so you're carrying this false guilt. Some of us this morning, maybe somebody that you knew and you trusted, you were abused by someone, and you're even blaming yourself. It's my fault. It's not your fault. And so all of these things that we carry, maybe someone died or that you cared about, and now you're carrying this false guilt. I should have done more. I should have reached out. Man, I should have said this. I should have did that. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't be gone today. And, and today, you're carrying this false guilt. And I want to talk about that God forgives us. How many believe that today? There's some people today that you, you, reach, you wish you could have reached out to, but you don't even realize where they were emotionally. And you probably, at that time, weren't, weren't going to be the one to be able to help them. So you're carrying this false guilt and this is the guilt that God wants to remove now there is some guilt that is the gift let me explain this to you sometimes we think all guilt is bad again all guilt is not created equal look at what the Bible says here in 2nd Corinthians seven ten. it says godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation so when it's talking about sorrow it's talking about regret it's talking about things that you did that were wrong it's talking about this guilt. He said, but godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret, it says. But worldly sorrow brings about death. So the scripture is saying that all of us this morning at some point are going to have this godly sorrow. In other words, we're going to regret some things that we did in our lives. We're going to say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done it. I dishonored God. I dishonored myself. I did some things that were wrong in the eyes of God. And what did it do? It brings us to repentance. That's why you guys are here in church. That's why many of you today are believers in Christ. Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit got a hold of you. You realize you were living wrong. And it brought you to repentance. How many can thank God for that? And you've turned your life around. It's a godly sorrow or godly regret leads to repentance brings about salvation, and then worldly sorrow, that means this false guilt that I'm talking about, this guilt that tears you down, that blames you all the time, brings about death. And so when we begin to have this worldly sorrow, it brings you in depression. It weighs you down. But godly sorrow can take you off the wrong path and put you on the right path. Godly sorrow is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, you need to change the direction of your life. You're going wrong here. You're doing wrong. This is not righteous what you're doing. And so uh, uh, there's a gift in that kind of sorrow. There's a gift that leads us to God. But again, the wrong type of guilt weighs us down. Believe it or not, guilt can be like a, it could be a, a warning light that something is wrong. I've used this illustration, but I'll use it again. How many of you, you know, you're driving in your car, and all of a sudden that check engine light comes on? And you say, man, something's wrong. I need, I need to get my car fixed. And it says, you know, maintenance required. Anybody seen that light before? How many know it doesn't help if you put your hand or your thumb over it? <laughs> or you just put duct tape over it and say, it's not there. I don't see the light. I don't see the light. It's telling you. 
that you need to get your heart, your, your, not your heart, but your car fixed. It's telling you basically that something's wrong. It, maintenance is required and something's wrong. And, you know, I, I've done this and some of you men have done this. Uh, you're driving and you've been ignoring that light and your wife will say, is that, that light on or something? You go, oh, no, that light's nothing, you know. And, and then she goes, I hear something. I, you don't hear anything. It's the engine. Don't worry about it, you know, because you know what you got to do. You got to go get it fixed. And uh, you're not a professional. You're not a, some, you're not a specialist in mechanics. You have to take it to someone that knows how to fix it, that knows how to do it. And uh, basically, this is how we deal with our guilt. When things that we've done wrong, we try to ignore it. We try to put duct tape on it. But let me tell you what we need to do is we need to give our lives. We need to get our hearts right with God. Take it to the professional. Take it to the specialist of God. And he can fix your life up. Somebody say amen. And so this is what God wants us to do. When we experience that kind of guilt where we say, God, we need you. God, I don't want to carry this long-term guilt, this thing that, you know, is drowning out and on and on and on. But God, I need your help in this. And throughout Scripture, the Bible tells us that God was always wanting to heal their people from guilt or remove their sin. In fact, in the Old Testament, you would have to make sacrifices every year for your sin. But there was a problem with it. It didn't remove the guilt of sin. It covered your sin. The the animal blood covered your sin, but it didn't remove the guilt of sin. Let me read you a scripture here uh, out of uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2. It says, if the people worshiping God had really been purified from sin, talk about the Old Testament, they would not feel guilty of sin anymore, and all the sacrifices would have stopped. In other words, there would be no need to slaughter all of these animals year thousands of animals being killed uh, for the blood to cover their sin or or to remove their sin. Uh, But the Bible says if it really did that, it would have stopped. As it is, however, the sacrifices serve year after year to remind people of their sin. For the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Look at that. It doesn't even take it away. Because Jesus Christ, jump down to verse 10, did what God wanted him to do. We are all purified, purified from sin by the offering that he made of his own body once and for all. It's over. Amen. It's done. Hallelujah. So all this spilling of blood, all this shedding of blood, it tells us how serious sin was because the, the animal had to be killed. It covered the sin, but it did not remove the sin or the guilt of sin. This is why Jesus, when he was on the cross, when he he became the sacrificial lamb, the perfect lamb of God, he shed his blood on the cross, and he said, at the end, it is finished. How many, thank God, it's done. Amen. He are forgiven once and for all. It's over. And so these are the benefits of forgiveness. It's the benefit today of living for God that you and I can be forgiven, that God removes the the guilt. Some of us this morning need to let it go. Did you hear me? Some of us need to let it go. It's that Disney song, let it go, let it go, right? And you'll never hear me sing it again. Uh, I can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away, slam the door. 
I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage. The cold never bothered me anyway, right? Let it go. You have it on camera, unfortunately, but let it go. Some of you just need to tell, turn to someone and say, let it go, man. You just need to let it go. And uh, I, I watched this movie a dozen times with my grandkids. And, and which one are we singing? There it is again. Let it go. Let it go. And we, we got to watch it with them because they like it. And so uh, Jesus removes the guilt of sin. So there's a couple of things that we tend to do, though, and we don't allow Jesus to take away the sin or remove the guilt, is we begin to bury it. They bury it. A lot of us this morning, what we do is we bury our guilt. We think if we just bury it deep enough, it'll never come back. But how many know that that guilt will come back like a zombie? Amen. Like they're walking around. Here I come coming back, right? And it's a zombie. It's the dead coming back to life. And if you try to bury your guilt, it's like a zombie. It's the, it, it's, it's the walking dead. It comes back and haunts you every time. And so we cannot just bury it. We need to confess it. Look at, what, look at what David said in Psalm 32, verse 3. It says, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. You're miserable when you're not confessing it. When I refused to confess my sin, basically, I groaned all day long. In other words, man, you, he goes, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. This is someone that's walking in shame. This is someone this morning that's feeling this weight. Then he says this, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stop trying to what? Hide them. Stop trying to hide your sin. God already knows anyway. He said, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. Because that's what it is. Sin is rebellion to the Lord. And, and you forgave me. And what did it say? All my guilt is gone. How many thank God for that? So when you confess it, your guilt will be gone. It removes it. But when you hide it, it weighs you down. It causes you to be miserable all day long. It, it causes you to lose your strength. Because all of us this morning, we try to bury it. We try this morning to minimize it. And how, how do we bury it? We say, well, it's not really that big of a deal. You say, you know, everybody's doing it. It's not a big deal, you know. And some people try to rationalize it, you know. And we try to say, well, you know, uh, it, it's not that bad. You try to convince yourself that it's not. How many know when we rationalize, we rational lies? Amen. There's a lot. We lie to ourselves, right? And then, and then we try to compromise. We lower down our standard. So we said, it's not really that bad anyway. See, it, 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 everybody's in the world doing it. So it. So you lower your standard to try to compromise, and you try to lower so you won't feel that bad. Some guy opened up a fortune cookie and it said, commit a sin twice, and it won't feel like sin anymore. What kind of person does that? Commit a sin twice, and it won't. If that's true, uh, I'm going to just tell you, it's really not that. It's the hardening of your conscience. You do something long enough, you're going to convince yourself that it's not that bad. Are you hearing me? If that's true, by the time you murder someone the fifth time, it's easier than the first time. Murder still murder. Whether it's the first, second, third, or fourth time, or fifth time, it doesn't get any better. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sin. 
when you try to conceal it, try to cover it, it will eventually catch up with you. And how many know today things catch up with you, especially with all the cameras and mobile phones? Your sin will find you out. When you thought nobody was looking, they had a camera right on you, right? And all of a sudden, especially today, whatever you post on the Internet stays there forever. And you young people, your grandkids are going to see what you did. Your children are going to see what you did. Then be able to say, well, I, you know, when I was young, they go, wait, wait a minute, Grandpa, I see you right here. You did this. You said that. You tweeted this. Don't try to hide your sin. Second thing you shouldn't try to do is try to blame other people. We're good at shifting blame. Right? And it goes all the way to the to beginning of creation. You've heard me say it before. When God confronted Adam, did you eat the fruit uh, that that of the tree that I commanded you not to eat. And Adam took it like a man. He says, the woman you gave me, right? So uh, he blamed his wife. We're always blaming somebody else, right? It, it, it's that woman, you know, and, and it says, it was her. He goes, you know, uh, I, Adam admitted, I did eat it, but it was the woman you gave me that brought me some, uh, and I ate it. So guys, if all else fails, just blame your wife, you know? You, you, you notice, too, that he didn't just blame his wife. He's actually blaming God. He's actually saying, God, it's the wife you created for me. You know, it's that girl. You, you and me were good, just me and you. But then she came along, and look it, I messed, she messed me up. And, you know, she's the photocopy of me. Photocopy is not good as the original. So, you know, and, and, and I had nobody else to marry. It's only her, you know. I had a choice. So it's your fault, God, that you gave me to her. You understand what I'm saying this morning? He's trying to shift the blame. I'm just being, I'm being sarcastic, okay? Ladies, don't, don't get all mad at me. I'm just being sarcastic. But reality was God created them both perfect. It was a perfect creation. She was perfect. He was perfect. In fact, when Adam saw her, he said, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Really what the Hebrew said, at last, you're for me. He said, my goodness. And, and, and he was saying, you're for me. So, guys, if you want to be romantic, don't say flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Say, you're for me. That's the way you say it. Anyway, we tried to use blame to balance our guilt. That way, we don't feel as guilty. Well, yeah, I did that wrong, but you know, it's because of that person and this person and that person. And the reason why I did it was because, and so we tried to balance it out that way we won't lay it lay, you know weigh it weigh it down and that way it doesn't weigh us down and keep us down we begin to blame and you heard me say this when we blame we be lame huh right blame be lame right you're you're being lame when you do that and so we're always doing that we're trying to blame we sometimes we'll even blame god the bible says in proverbs 9 19 3 people's own foolishness foolishness ruin their life but in their minds, they blame God. If God had given me a different wife, if God had given me a different job, if God had given me a different family, if God had, if God had given me a different church, I wouldn't have done all that. We, we like to shift blame. And the third thing we do to try to remove our own guilt is we, we beat up ourselves. We beat up ourselves. In other words, we, we, we let it pile on so much that we blame ourselves and we just basically this morning, we beat ourselves up rather than confessing it to God. I read this article and it said, 
uh, people walk around with a guilty conscience, uh, 50% of those people are actually make themselves sick. And they said 50% of hospitals would be empty today if they can get rid of their resentment and guilt. They said half of all the people that are in hospitals today would be, would be healed and doing well if they could re- get, get rid of their guilt and resentment. There's something about resentment and guilt that gets people sick. And let me just be honest with you this morning. We live in an imperfect world. So you need to just be realistic about it. There are things in this world uh, that are imperfect. We live in a broken world. It's not heaven yet. So we're going to make bad decisions, uh, and there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to have to realize all of these bad decisions, uh, and don't begin to let it, don't beat yourself up with it. Are you hearing me? This is what David was saying. He said, basically, it evaporates my strength. It sucks the life out of me. You've heard me say it. It's not what you eat. It's what's eating you, what's inside you this morning. And sometimes even people, you could be doing well as a Christian. You could be uh, walking with God, and then all of a sudden, guilt will begin to sabotage. Yeah, you're doing good now, but you did this. Don't, don't forget that. And it sabotages your success. It sabotages what God's doing in your life now. And he said, yeah, I'm not a good wife because I remember back then. I'm not a good mom because, yeah, I remember this happened. And you begin to condemn yourself. And you begin to sabotage what God is doing in your life. Look at what David said in Psalms 38. See, if you just read the Bible, the answer is right here. Look at verse 4. My guilt is overwhelmed me, he said. Like a load, it weighs me down because what? I was foolish. How many of you know we've been foolish? We've been dumb. And he said, I bent over and bow, bowed down, and I was sad all day long. It seems like this guy's in depression. He's condemned. He's feeling bad. He's beating himself up. And the problem with punishing yourself, you don't know when it's over. When do you stop punishing yourself for there are a lot of people, you're punishing yourself over and over for something you've done. And God's already forgiven you. God's already redeemed you. And you're still punishing yourself. You're, you're still whipping yourself. You're still beating yourself down. And you don't know when enough is enough. You're looking, you, you've did some things. All of us have done things, done things that we regret. But don't beat yourself up. So let me give you the remedy. Can I do that today? If you want to be healed, you want your guilt to come off of you. You want to be forgiven this morning. Number one, write it down. Admit it. That's the first step of God fixing your heart. You've got to admit it. You've got to be honest with yourself and honest with God. You've got to be willing to say, man, I'm, I'm wrong here. You've got to turn to someone and say, man, I just need to admit it. Stop, stop living in denial. Right? It's not, it's not a river in Egypt either. It's denial, okay? Not denial. Denial, okay? Get out of denial. Say, man, I blew it. Uh, sometimes, you know, we, we're, we, we do things this morning uh, and, and we don't admit it. And so what we try to do is we try to hide it again. We're trying to bury it in our work. We're trying to bury it in staying busy. You just try to stay busy so you don't have to admit it. I'm just busy. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to to talk about this. I don't have time to deal with it because you've gotten yourself busy. You're trying to hide it. Or sometimes when you feel guilty, you'll move. 
you shift. Man, I got to leave this church. Man, I got to leave town. Guess what? When you move, it goes with you. I've seen people leave town, man. I'm out of here. Oh, you're guilty. Something's on you, huh? How many know people are on the run today? A lot of people are on the run. They did some things, and what they think they could do is they could just move and shift and go to another location where nobody knows them, and they rush and they move real quick instead of dealing with it and admitting it. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. But anyway, Proverbs Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The Lord gave us a mind and a conscience, it says. We cannot hide ourselves or hide from ourselves. Basically, it says, don't try to hide it. That's one of the things that will devastate you. You got to get to a point of admitting it. All of us this morning have to admit it. Don't try to hide it. There's nobody perfect in here. I'm not perfect. I try to tell you my sins right up here. I try to confess them, try to tell you, be honest with you, and tell you, hey, I'm not perfect. I've done things. I've said some things. Uh, my wife will tell you I'm not perfect, right, babe? Don't tell her my sins, but I'm not perfect. You know that. <laughs> my wife knows that. I, I'm not perfect. None of us is. Look at what the Bible says. First John 1 John 1, 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh, Man, you're, you're, let me just say, stop defeating yourself. And it, it, the way you stop defeating yourself is you stop deceiving yourself. Some of us this morning, the reason why you're defeating yourself is because you're defeated. You're thinking that you got it all together. We all know you don't. God knows. And we come to church thinking, oh, don't tell me nothing. Don't you don't have it all together. I'm just be honest. You don't. None of us do. That's why we're here. We need God. We, we have to admit Lord, we need you. So stop deceiving yourself, okay? Because you're going you're gonna to defeat yourself when you deceive yourself. We're pretending we don't have a problem in life. We're pretending this morning that the issue is not there. And I'm telling you, the, the remedy is admitting it. Getting to a point where you basically, you've you, you got to make, make a self-inventory. Look at your life. I try to do that every time. Every time I can, weekly, Lord, what are some things I need to change here? What are some things I, I, I need to look at? I, I take an evaluate. Do I have some bad habits in my life? Am I doing some things that are taking me off course? And it's great at that point where you're admitting some things. That, and when God shows you, you have to admit them. When God speaks to you in church, are you hearing me? It's not me, not the pastor, it's the Holy Spirit. Using the word that I'm preaching this morning, that's speaking to you. How many of you still sit in your seat when I say, hey, I'm going to open the altar. Just come and pray. I'm not going up. I don't want nobody to see me. Man, the first step to healing is admitting it. Admitting it. I've got some issues. Lamentation 340 said, let us examine our ways and test them. In other words, you've got to get down and, and look at yourself and say, man, I, I need to really confess this to God. Number two, accept responsibility. I said earlier, don't stop blaming people. You know, 99% of it, of, of the problems and the issues this morning, maybe, maybe you only got 1%, but you need to be responsible. You need to be responsible, accept responsibility. Until you accept responsibility for your action, you'll never be healed. All of us have some kind of responsibility. And let me just tell you something. When you accept responsibility, self-respect comes to you and respect from others. 
It's hard to respect somebody that never takes responsibility. No, not, not me. I, I don't do that. No. Wrong guy. No. Sorry. No, I didn't do it. That person. Like, dude, you, you know, you're just playing a game. You're just here to play games. We're here to accept responsibility. I had a nerve there, but anyway, I'm going to go on. You know, King David, King David, here was King David, anointed of God. If you know anything about King David, he was the, the Bible says he was the man after God's own heart. And the Bible says one day, most of us know the story, he was out on the top of his palace, on the roof of his palace, he was looking around. He should have been out leading his men in battle. Bible says he wakes up in the middle of the day. This guy, he, he got lazy. He, he got complacent. And he's walking around, and he looks over from the top of his roof, and on top of somebody else's roof, a woman by the name of Bathsheba is taking a bath. So he could see from his rooftop to her rooftop. Now, why a woman would be taking a bath on her rooftop, I don't know. That's another story. But the Bible says he looks over, and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath, and so he inquires about who she is, and they tell her, why well, she's the wife of Uriah. Well, tell her I want to see her. And the scripture tells us that he ends up sleeping with her, and not only does he sleep with her, but he gets her pregnant. You can't hide your sin. You can't get a little pregnant. You're pregnant, or you, either you're pregnant or you're not. I'm just a little pregnant, no? It, it'll come out. And so the Bible said they come back, uh, and she sends David a note, King David, and says, I'm pregnant. And so David's trying to cover the sin instead of accepting responsibility. Instead of admitting and accepting responsibility, he tries to cover the sin. So he said, let's bring her husband back from battle, and then let him sleep with her. And then when he comes back from battle, she'll have a little baby. But... He's probably going to have your eyes, David. It's probably not going to look like him. But anyway, that's another story. But again, so he tries to get that man to come back home to sleep with his wife to get her so he could be blamed for the, or not be blamed, but be the one that the father. But the scripture said this man says, I can't sleep with my wife when the men are out there doing battle. The Bible says, finally, David gets mad. He sends them out to the battlefield with a note to the general. And, the, and it tells them, hey, I want you to take Uriah out in battle and put him at the front line. And when he's doing battle, I want you to withdraw from him. And the Bible says he gets killed in battle. So not only did he commit adultery, okay? Not only did he get this woman pregnant and try to hide it, but then he, he, he had her husband killed. So he, it's like one sin after another. See, when you hide your sin, one sin after another. And the Bible says he finally cries out to God or... For he finally admits his sin here in Psalm chapter 51. I can give you the whole story, but I won't. But this is what he says. He said, I recognize my fault, and I am conscious of my sin. I know I have done wrong, and I remember that sin all the time. So he finally takes responsibility. Here's what I want you to see here. He doesn't blame Bathsheba. That was her name. He doesn't say, oh, that woman was on the roof. And she shouldn't have been there. She shouldn't have came when I called for her. He didn't blame. He never blames her one bit. He takes full responsibility. Some of us this morning would say, I take full responsibility, but not the blame. Friend, it's the same thing. Let me just tell you. You got to take everything. Blame comes with responsibility. Somebody say amen. And so he finally confesses it, but he doesn't blame anyone. He's not telling any. I mean, he's not 
blaming someone else for his sin. Can I tell you something else that would really help all of us this morning when you accept responsibility is accountability. See, a lot of us this morning, we're willing to accept responsibility and we're willing to tell God about our sin, but we won't tell somebody else. I'm going to tell you something about really admitting and really taking responsibilities when you tell somebody else what's going on in your life. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. I'm not talking about getting on Facebook and telling the whole world. I'm talking about a friend talking to someone and being accountable. Let me read you a scripture. James 5.16. Admit your faults to one another. That's what it says. Doesn't just say God. It's one another. And pray for each other. So what? That you may be healed. Now listen to me. If you want to be forgiven, God will forgive you. But if you want to be healed, you want to be healed because some of us, emotionally, that sin has taken a toll on us. Emotionally this morning, it's still, those emotions are still killing us. It's still bothering us. That's why we need to confess it to someone so that we may be healed. Did you hear me? That's why it's good. A lot of people say, well, yeah, I did wrong, but I, I talked to God. I don't need to talk to nobody. No, the Bible says confess your sin one to another. Be accountable. So now you're admitting it. You're taking responsibility. Now you guys don't like this sermon, see? All of a sudden it changed now. All of a, I can feel that. It's changing now. Like, oh, yeah, I, I like the whole confession to God. But now to one another, yeah, that's what the Bible says. Confess one another you may, that you may be healed. There's some things in your life that only get healed when you confess them to somebody else. When you show, give yourself accountability, when you're willing to admit it. See, some of us this morning, we, we're living with secrets, and your secrets are killing you. You got all these secrets in your life. These, these little, the secrets make you sicker. Okay? And some of us are hiding secrets, and the more you hide them, the more you hurt. And the only way you can be healed this morning, listen to me, we confess them to God. God forgives us, but there's healing that takes place this morning when you take off the mask. I'm not talking about the literal mask. I'm talking about your spiritual mask. I know we've been talking about mask a lot. And the third thing, listen to me, I don't, I'm running out of time, is we finally ask for forgiveness. We admit it. We take responsibility, amen? We, we, we basically say, I'm, I'm responsible. We don't blame anybody. And then we admit it this morning. We take responsibility and we ask for forgiveness. We ask the Lord to forgive us. The Bible says again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God we don't have to bribe God we don't have to bargain with God. When we ask him to forgive us, God will forgive us this morning. Jesus said, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Thank God for that. Somebody give God praise for that this morning. So forgiveness, when we talk about it's over, or it's not over this morning. In other words, don't let the guilt continue to linger in your life. Ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is the antibiotic to the infection in your soul today. And let me, just, let me just do this. Let me just say this. One of the things, the way the enemy works is he minimizes your sin in the beginning. He says, it's not a big deal. Go ahead and do it. And then when you do it, then he maximizes it. See, you're a fool. See, look, I can't believe you did all that. First, he told you it wasn't a big deal. And then after you've done it, then he maximizes Oh, how are you in church? Oh, come on. Are you serious? 
Church is not even helping you. Why are you even coming? See how he maximizes it? It's all this deception of the devil, and we carry it this morning. But I'm here to tell you, when God forgives you, he forgives you instantly. I said God forgives you instantly. He not only forgives you instantly, he forgives you completely. Can you say amen? You're completely forgiven. Let me read the scripture to you. Colossians 2.13. He has forgiven all your sin. Did, you, did I just say all? All your sin. He has utterly wiped away all the evidence of broken commandments which have hung over our head. And he has completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. It is a super stain remover, basically, thing. Completely annulled. What does it matter? Amen. It means that if he had never happened Again, I love this. And number three, God forgives us repeatedly. Even when we fall, God forgives us again and again. And God forgives us freely. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It's a free gift of God. How many will thank God for that? This is the power of forgiveness today. And I want to pray for people today. Some of you today are living in that guilt. Some of us this morning are condemning ourselves. And I want to tell you today, there is a free gift of God, and it's the forgiveness of the Lord today. And so, so no matter where you're at in your life, all of us, we need God's forgiveness. If, if you've never asked God to forgive you today, I pray today that you'll ask him to forgive you. If you're a believer today, don't continue to live in the guilt of the past. Don't continue to try to hide it. This is the place, uh, right? This is the safe place where we can confess our sin. This is the safe place where we can admit it and say, God, I need your help. This is the real place right here where, you know what, a broken people. We admit we don't have it all together. There's not, there's not a perfect church. There's not a perfect person. The only one that was perfect was Jesus. And that's why he died on the cross for us. And so I'm confident today, whoever you are, wherever you're at in your life today, some of the things that you're carrying today is because you won't admit it. You won't ask God to forgive you. You won't take responsibility. But if you'll do it today, I, I believe God will heal you. I believe God will change you today. So let's bow our heads for just a moment. I'm going to pray. So, Father, we thank you today that you're the healer. We thank you today, God, that uh, we, we can come to you. God, today, we can accept responsibility. Lord, we'll admit it. We'll accept responsibility, and we'll ask for your forgiveness today. So, Father, we pray right now all over this building. God, we, we, we admit it. God, today we, today we accept that responsibility. And God, we ask for your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, because, Lord, you said you forgive. You forgave people that weren't even asking for forgiveness. You forgave people that were mocking you while you were on the cross, and you still offered forgiveness. Lord, your word says, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. That's how much you love us. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.